And we wouldn't be here, I don't think, if it wasn't for the tenacious efforts of many, but none more than David Shoebridge, MLA Greens uh, MP here in New South Wales. David, good morning to you, mate. Yeah, morning, Mark. An interesting week, hasn't it? It certainly has. And look, I know you're, you're very humble and modest, but I think we owe you a debt of gratitude. And I, I've said it openly before on my uh, social media platforms. Your tenacity, I think, has led to what we've um, what we've uncovered and what the evidence has provided this week. So well done to you. Yeah, I mean, some things you don't want to find out. Now, I'll be quite frank about it. But for, for years now, we've been for two years, we've been chasing what's been happening with government grants and government money. Um, we've been chairing that committee, pushing as hard as we can to try and get the truth. We, we, had, we had so many concerned people telling us that uh, public money was being used for reasons they couldn't understand. So for obviously political priorities, whether it was hundreds of millions going out to local government um, or hundreds of millions of money, uh, dollars going out for bushfire relief, or money that was being showered around, uh, for example, in the Wagga by-election. People said, you know, how is this being, how is this being done? You know, it's so yeah. obviously political. So, um, but it's very hard to get to the truth. You, we're constantly trying to release documents, get questions answered in budget estimates. But um, now we're seeing um, as clearly as possible, I think, just how brutally political and personal the allocation of money has been. And it's, it should shock people, and it should not just shock people. It should dem- People should then be demanding that we change the law and we make sure this can never happen again. Well said, absolutely. Look, if we go back a couple of years uh, where the Premier uh, made an extraordinary admission revealing she believes political pork barrelling is OK, uh, she said it was common, parliaments uh, you know, and, and governments do that, uh, and she was happy to accept that commentary. Back to 2016, uh, when we had the forced amalgamations policy for councils, that was extremely controversial. It caused a huge amount of political damage to the government, but it caused a lot of economic damage to those councils who were forcibly amalgamated and who resisted amalgamation. The government's response, of course, was to roll out a quarter of a billion dollar dollar grants program called the Stronger Communities Grants Program. Is this where it all first started, do you think? Yeah, and in fact, um, you know, I'm grateful to a resident on a, on a, in a council on the North Shore who contacted my office one day and said they couldn't work out how a million dollars had been given to upgrade one of the local ovals there that was pretty much beautiful beforehand. And she said she never saw an application for it. She couldn't understand why the money rolled in. Um, and could I look into it? And it was just coming into budget estimates last year sometime, very early last year. Yeah, and um, I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll have a look, ask some questions, find out what it is," and um, and and it was from that very humble beginning of just listening to a concerned local that we found we started to unpick these stronger communities um, grants, and um, and it, that turned out to be a basically a secret two hundred and fifty million dollar program, secret in terms of there being a program in place, not mm. secret in terms of the announcement of all the projects. The projects were all announced, but. No council had ever been told they could apply for it. No community had ever been told they could apply for it. And in fact, the the the, the biggest single um, handout in that was delivered by um, Gladys Berejiklian, ninety million dollars to Hornsby Council, and and that was this most remarkable event. We 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 heard from the general manager of Hornsby Council. We basically got a call from the government one day saying, "Do you want ninety million dollars?" 
And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, what do you say? He said, yes. And um, mm. within three days, with, with the paperwork all being done, paperwork, so to speak, being all done by the government, um, within three days from that phone call, he had $90 million in his bank account. And all that there was in terms of detail from it were two lines. All right. You know, which and- said 90 million bucks. Who approved that? Gladys Berejiklian. What happened to the paper trail? Um, Gladys Berejiklian's office shredded it and deleted it. I mean, you couldn't make this up, Marcus. Well, that's where I was going to get to, um, of course. And you you made inquiries about this uh, $90 million payment to Hornsby Council. You Through your inquiries, you asked for documentation. And that's when we uh, discovered, of course, the uh, paper shredding had occurred and digital footprints were starting to be deleted and all the rest of it. And the government did everything they could to, to, to avoid telling us that truth. We put in orders. Well, after we found out about the money and we saw that, you know, there was almost no paperwork on the public record that we could find, we put an order in to find out all the records that were before the Premier uh, and before the, the government when they were approving it. Because I assumed that there would be a detailed brief and a cost-benefit analysis before $90 million of public money was handed out. Absolutely. Yeah, so we asked for it. Nothing turned up. We then um, forced the issue in Parliament, and the government came into Parliament and said, there are no documents here, there's nothing to see, we've given you everything we've got, and that's just a one, you know, one, one, this one document with two lines on it. We said, that can't be true. You know, you can't approve $90 million with nothing. And that's when we called the senior officer from the, from the Premier's office to come in and say, well, what was before the Premier? And yeah. uh, that's when she said, well, look, the document went in, mm. came out with notations, we said, where is it? And then she said, and it was a bombshell moment for me, she said, oh, um, we shredded it. <laughs> and then we said, well, what happened to the digital copies? They were all deleted as well. And, and we had to have a, another order of the house. Yeah. And we had a, a forensic document recovery process. They actually went in and they recovered the deleted files from the server. And that's how we saw the, um, this sort of gross political um, um, document, mm. which was basically the Premier giving $90 million bucks to the council as a sweetheart deal because that council had been um, a Liberal council, um, had lost some money in the in the local government election, in the well, local government amalgamation. All right, so then we roll on uh, perhaps to another incident, that is the bushfire grants. We had communities across the state suffering badly. There was a desperate need for recovery grants. And again, we saw in this case a scheme that was jointly managed by the state and federal government rolling out urgent bushfire assistance grants, but delivering them again on a deeply partisan basis. In other words, more pork barrelling. And in fact, two major coalition donors, Pratt Industries and Borrell, received tens of millions of dollars. Now, last time I checked, they weren't affected by bushfires. Yeah, I mean, well... um Pratt Industries wanted to, to create a, a new part of its um, processing facilities to deal with burnt wood. And they saw it as a great business opportunity. Who paid for that? Well, taxpayers paid for that. Mm. Um, and, and these were major, major government, ma- major, major coalition donors. But while, while they were getting tens of millions of dollars, um, people who'd lost their homes, who'd lost their businesses, who'd seen their, you know, um, um, their lives shattered by the fires, weren't getting a single dollar. And no one in the Blue Mountains got a dollar. Now, the Blue Mountains got savaged by the fires. They didn't get a single dollar. Yeah. Uh, no one in the Central Coast. Now, sometimes we forget about just how much damage there was in the Central Coast. Homes lost, um, a bush burned. They didn't get a single dollar. Nobody on the North Coast who wasn't in a coalition seat got a single dollar. And And... You know, and again, when we tested this, 
um, the government was just absolutely bald-faced about it. And, and you know, in the context of all of this, that we, when the Premier has been tested about it, yeah. she says, well, you know, it all, all governments do it. This is pork barreling. Nothing illegal here. So all we're just right. going to keep doing it. Let's now move on uh, to... Wagga Wagga and Daryl Maguire. So as, as if the uh, the warning flags weren't already up, red flags going off everywhere. And, and then we learn, of course, that uh, funding was being made secretly available to Wagga through the tenacity uh, of a current MP in Daryl Maguire. And, of course, it was going to... Uh, well, I don't want to say things that weren't, you know, meritorious, but let's be honest, a gun club on the outskirts of Wagga and, and the rest of it and even a, a new conservatorium of music, I wouldn't have thought that would be a priority given we'd just come out of bushfires and all the rest of it. Well, I mean, $5.5 million to build a conference centre at a gun club on the outskirts of Wagga, and, and we know it wasn't a meritorious project because no. when it was initially assessed, it was found to be a sinker, you know, less than a dollar return for every dollar that gets invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't a meritorious project. And, you know, you can sat, make an argument out for $20 million for the conservatorium, uh, maybe, but that should be being done at arm's length in an absolutely um, um, transparent process, and none of this was. And, and Marcus, look, when you talk about, say, $5.5 million to a conference centre for a gun club, it's the opportunity cost of that as well. I mean, I have um, I have had uh, domestic violence shelters, um, uh, uh, community groups desperate for $50,000 or $100,000 or three, and it would make a fundamental difference to so many lives and, and they get told there's no money available. And meanwhile, $5.5 million is handed down this gun club. And look, the, the, the initial concerns about this were actually raised by a really diligent um, ABC um, journalist who'd been going through, trawling through the transcript from ICAC from last year. Yeah. And had found these repeated references to, um, to a very questionable process. And also, remember, the context was that Daryl Maguire was getting a kickback on this. He was getting um, a secret commission for the sale of the furniture um, to the gun club. And um, there were pushes to make within government to make the gun, the, the conference centre bigger. One of, the, one of the theories was so that there was more furniture being sold, so a bigger kickback went to um, <laughs> Daryl Maguire. Mm. But there were all these concerns about it. And, um, and then it raised those concerns with me and said, and I said, well, why don't we hunt for all the documents? Why don't we find out yep. exactly what role the different ministers had in this? Because there are, at this stage, there have been four ministers, you know, the sports minister, the regional New South Wales minister, the treasurer and the premier. So we, we put out that call for documents. We forced the documents released through the upper house. And then we found that the, uh, the then premier, Gladys Berejiklian, then continued to have this constant role in this gun club. Uh, approval well after there was any rational reason to have it in terms of a functional role in government, constantly yeah. being um, advised about it um, and being kept up to date about it when she was Premier. And what on earth was the Premier doing, getting these constant updates, seeking a review of the business case for a $5.5 million conference centre on the outskirts of Wagga? There was no rational explanation for it, Marcus. All right, uh, let's fast forward a little bit and, uh, and we come to the Independent Commission Against Corruption and then we come to evidence that was a bombshell when it first hit and that was uh, a question asked of a sitting Premier about her relationship status with Daryl Maguire who was already being, of course, 
uh, monitored by the Independent Commission Against Corruption. They were obviously tapping his phones. They were keeping a firm eye on what he was doing. Um, he'd fronted ICAC. He basically did a mea culpa as they gathered evidence. He, he knew that he was gone. And then obviously there were links to Gladys Berejiklian and then Jeffrey Robertson asked the question, is it Jeffrey or Mr. Robertson asked the question, uh, whether or not uh, the Premier was in a relationship with Daryl Maguire and then all hell broke loose. Yeah, I mean, uh, I nobody. I, I don't, you know, sometimes there are the rumours going around, you know, the Parliament House, the Macquarie Street, as I like to call it, um, that that this was happening. Nobody I know in the in the media in the, had um, was was at all aware of this. It literally came like a thunderclap, and uh, people didn't know what to do with it, to be honest. Um, but um, but of course that then put in a put a different context on all of these um, the funding decisions that had been made for Wagga Wagga, the, the, the amount of money that was being showered on Wagga Wagga, and that yeah. was that was obviously the context in which we started asking a series of questions about what, if any, role that the, the, the Premier had, the then Premier had, in the mm. approval of all these grants. And and I think what's... I mean, nobody likes seeing anybody's personal life being dissected like this. Nobody likes seeing that in public. But the reason it's had to be done is because Gladys Berejiklian has refused to accept that the relationship was of such a status that, that there was a conflict of interest. And uh, that, that has been repeatedly put to her. And the Premier has said that done nothing wrong, never had to declare a conflict of interest and never has declared a con- conflict of interest because the relationship wasn't of such a status to have that. And and that's why we've had to have that very awkward evidence this week mm. because the question is, well, is the relationship of such a status that there was conflict of interest? And I, I think it's unquestionably the case. Of I course mean, it is. No argument. But of there's course no it argument is. Yep. Other than from Gladys Berejiklian. Let's go to uh, what I think is the smoking gun. This yesterday. You just throw money at Wagga. I'll, I'll throw money at Wagga. Don't you worry about that. Just listen to Lots me. of it. All right. And I'll throw money at Wagga. You just have to do what's right. Otherwise, you'll kill me. No, no, it's fine. I'm batting for you. You just need to know what the right things are to throw money at Wagga. And you I'm, need, I already know. You've already told me the three top things. And I you need know. to in, and go and give them a stadium. Give them a I'll do that. I'll stadium. do that too. I'll do that too. Don't worry. Well, the bureaucrats not it all out. Yes, but well, I can have I mean, I think that's pretty damning evidence, uh, David. I just, um, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, astounded by just how, how, how bald it all was. You know, we we... We we were always very concerned that what was motivating a lot of these decisions were were political and um, political um, machinations. But now you can you can you know political and personal machinations being the basis upon which large amounts of public money are being allocated. And, and, and yeah. you know, thank, all I can coming out of that, I'm grateful for one thing that we didn't get 100 million dollars dropped on a an unmeritorious stadium in Wagga Wagga. I mean, you know, maybe there's a good reason to build a stadium in Wagga Wagga, but $100 million would do a lot more good in a lot of other places. Um, and, um, I mean, it really is just this dreadfully awful insight into how and why government, this, this coalition government has been handing out public money. And if ever there was an argument to say we need a new law that says public money has to be handed out 
um, on the basis of cost benefits analysis that are mm. transparent and available to the public. Yeah. If ever you had an argument, well, that that conversation was the argument. You know, the premier overruling bureaucrats doing it because of personal connections. I mean, it's just the worst of public administration. All right. Uh, now, today, the Premier will get to defend herself. Uh, I don't know um, how she does it. Um, uh, I'm not a legal expert. Uh, what, what would you say to those who say, oh, well, you know, Paul Gladys, obviously she was led astray by Daryl Maguire. It's not about the relationship, is it? It's about the fact that she didn't declare it and that obviously... Uh, through what we've heard in this mm. evidence and these phone taps, um, she she basically declared mm. that she'd be looking after things even after he was mm. fronting ICAC and he'd gone. Of course. I mean, MPs are entitled to a private personal life, absolutely. And um, none of this should ever come out in public. And the, the way that could have been fundamentally resolved was for a conflict of interest declaration to be declared by Gladys Berejiklian and for her to remove herself from any decision that um, that involved projects being pushed by uh, 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 Daryl Maguire. If that had happened, nothing. None, none of this would have happened. Um, uh, Gladys Berejiklian would still be Premier. Um, maybe the gun club wouldn't have been approved. You know, maybe the Riverina Conservatorium wouldn't have been approved. But none of this would have happened with a declaration of a conflict of interest and removing herself from any decision uh, involving a project being pushed by someone she had a close personal relationship with. And that's it. Yep. All and, right. and, and and everybody who's come before ICAC has mm. said the same thing. The bureaucrats, the other politicians, everybody has said the same thing. This should have been declared. If it had been declared, different decisions would have been made. Mm. And that's at the core of this whole inquiry. Well, that's right. Uh, and not only um, have bureaucrats said it, including her chief of staff, but the Deputy Premier, John Barillaro, and yep. others. The evidence is damning. Uh, they say that, you know, it's gotten all personal, but I don't really care about the personal... personal uh, yes situation and, here. I really and and remember, we're talking about the most senior office in yep. New South Wales, the position of greatest public trust. 100%. I mean, to be the Premier of New South Wales is to have a fundamental obligation to the people of New South Wales. And we had a lot of rhetoric um, from Gladys Berejiklian on that. And look, I, I'm grateful for the work she did during the um, the pandemic. I'm grateful for, you know, she clearly worked very hard and, and I'm not, no one is taking that away from her. Yeah. But there's this fundamental obligation of trust and, and that, that, that is the issue here. And, and I'm just grateful we've had ICAC um, to be able to do what it does courageously, independently, bravely and get to the truth of this matter. You've been very, very uh, kind with your time today. Uh, thank you, David. Well done on all the hard work you've done uh, on this issue. And you and I have spoken about it now, I think, for more than a year. Yep. And here we are. Uh, so what ultimately, I guess the question is, her relationship's under the spotlight. and uh, She'll defend that either, uh, today and into Monday. But what can what can the outcome be here? If, I mean, I've had people say, well, she's not going to go to jail, is she? Poor Gladys. Well, I mean, that's obviously we'll have to see how the evidence um, plays out. Um, a breach, a breach of the ministerial code of conduct, is not a criminal offence. That's it, right. It's, um, 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 but look, you know, there's there's a lot to play out between uh, today and on Monday. Uh, Gladys Berejiklian is entitled to have her time, you know, before ICAC to make her arguments. Well, that's right. She'll ICAC have her and, say from today. Gladys will yep. outline her response and she will have her say today and Monday. And I guess then we'll see where it goes to from there. David, 
Thank you very much. We will talk again on Monday and uh, have a listen very closely to the proceedings today. I appreciate your time. Yes, Marcus. Good speaking. All the best. There he is, David Shubridge, Greens MLA, and he's just done a magnificent job on covering all of this, and that's why I speak to David on a regular basis. I think he's done more than any other politician in New South Wales to hold those in power in this state to account. Well done to him.